Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up out of bed to pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck, to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 126 When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. When our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy, then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. Isaiah chapter 35, verses 3 to 7. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful of heart, Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 18 to 30. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. So John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask you, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus had just then cured many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and had given sight to many who were blind. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out and see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who put on fine clothing and live in luxury are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people who heard this, including the tax collectors, acknowledged the justice of God, because they had been baptized with John's baptism. But by refusing to be baptized by him, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purposes for themselves. Here ends the reading. 
third reading of Psalm 126 and the passages from Isaiah 35 and Luke 7, if there's a common thread, and it may not be, it seems to me to be uh, a kind of hope, um, a dark hope, where the reader is, is not given the luxury of seeing only puppies and sunshine, but to see the difficulty and the trials and the, the tests that precede the puppies and sunshine, the rain uh, before the sunshine, um, the, the, the end of, particularly in Isaiah, uh, waters will break forth, burning sands will become a pool. Um, it's, it follows on this invocation of those with weak hands, feeble knees, fearful hearts. Um, it's a reminder that these troubles, the difficulties in life, are merely uh, a prelude to what's to come. Um, and sometimes in American culture, uh, where it's where anger and depression or brooding, I suppose, are looked are looked down upon, they're difficult emotions to wrestle with, and they're emotions that soldiers and veterans, in particular, um, are well versed in. And that 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 impasse between soldiers and civilians, or veterans and civilians, and um, darkness being a welcome and present state of life and being, um, that, that impasse in which civilians typically uh, don't share the experience or don't uh, seem as, as willing to go to those difficult places can be difficult because soldiers and veterans, quite frankly, are a minority. Um, you can minorities are more easily dismissed as crazy or um, you know somehow less than the majority particularly when there's something like 9% of uh, the American populace uh, is made up of military families and, and personnel to include soldiers, veterans and immediate family members related by blood or marriage um, so it's difficult but God's word to um, soldiers and veterans I think are you know things aren't necessarily what they seem. Even though most of America is happy and peppy and everybody's Christmas shopping, it's cold and dark outside. Um, and we, we don't really get the full flavor of Advent if all we think about are Christmas lights and opening, you know, gifts. A lot of people are cold. A lot of people are hungry. A lot of people are depressed. I mean, the December, I, th- I was reading somewhere that um, they considered making December National Suicide Awareness Month because suicides and uh, depression are at their peak because the the presentation, the public presentation is, you know, Christmas songs and all that, all the rest. But if you're not sharing that, you feel particularly isolated. Um, and so this doubt, self-doubt can creep in. I mean, John and Luke, John is Jesus' cousin. I'm sure his parents and his uncle and aunt told him you know, everything that happened um, in the manger, in the middle of nowhere while they were, you know, going back to their ancestral homeland for the census. You know, John knows this. And this is a guy who believes this stuff so much that he, you know, he wears nothing but camel skins and he eats nothing but crickets. Um, so it is a believer. And he looks at Jesus and, and isn't quite satisfied. 
He sends friends while he's in jail to say, hey, what's going on? When is this revolution kicking off? When are we going to show, you know, these civilians, these, these outsiders, when are you going to show them who's really boss? You know, what's really going on? And Jesus says, well, you're missing the mark. Like, the, the good news is that you're not alone. The good news, um, healing comes to these broken areas first. This, this good news is, it's good news. Like, the, the, the pain and the difficulty are really not our focus. Um, even though they're integral, even though they precede and make possible some of these um, uh, moments of light and joy, but we, you know, that's, that's not really what we're about. Um, and so I've selected for the prayer, I've, I've departed from the BCP and I hope to continue doing so. We're going to hear from Sergeant Robert Harder, um, who was um, uh, kind of a, an outsider. Um, a lot of poetry from soldiers comes from Britain, uh, especially in World War I. It's a very different culture where poetry was kind of manly. Uh, you know, the Victorian era, uh, people like Robert Graves, uh, Siegfried Sassoon, Wilfred Owen, they were thought of very highly. I mean, it wasn't out of place at all to write, you know, poetry from the trenches. I mean, if you think of King David, um, who was this lyricist, and yet we have this, you know, kind of manly image of him, even though um, in modern America, at least, it's not thought of as manly to be in touch with your emotions and to describe things in, you know, uh, lofty language. Um, but Robert Harder wrote uh, poems while he was serving in the Pacific Theater during World War II. Um, he was an aircraft engineer, if I remember right, and he published a book actually before the end of the war, 1944, um, from Detroit, which is now kind of this you know, beaten up, downtrodden city. Um, and Sergeant Harder, um, you know, writes these poems as an American, not a Brit, in World War II, not in World War I. Um, and I read, I'll be reading his poem, Spring, which is looking for, I mean, the Pacific Theater, I've lived in Hawaii, it's pretty nice in terms of weather, and yet he's in war, and he's looking forward to the springtime um, and he's reminding himself, or he's being reminded, and he's reminding his readers um, that the season's changing, that I can almost sense and taste and feel this hope for um, being home with you, that, that springtime um, and, and everything that it represents, both seasonally as well as emotionally and spiritually. So I encourage you to listen into his poem um, and to consider, continue to consider thinking about how um, these dark places and emotions are important, but they're not ultimately where our time and our energy is, is um, most effective as soldiers and veterans and as civilians who care for soldiers and veterans. Here ends the reflection. by Robert Harder, a veteran of the Pacific Theater in World War II. Today that old compelling urge shot through me like a tidal wave. I felt again that restless surge that springtime always freely gave. Spring is just a spoken word, just a reminiscence over here, where never does a season gird to bring rebirth, revival's cheer. Where countless summers carry on, nature has no chance to show. 
renewal that comes as a golden dawn released from ice and snow. Yet today I felt her call to me, a voice from out the boundless foam came and brought a memory of life with you at home. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's first formation, where we share morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.